Good morning, church. Y'all sound real nice this morning. I love it. Um, yeah, so as y'all saw on the, um, on the slideshow this morning before service, we had vacation Bible school this last week, and it, it was, oh gosh, it was a trip. It was a trip. It always is, you know, and it's a lot of work, but um, man, it's worth it. It's so worth it. There's something really priceless, and if you're not here, you, you, you kind of miss out, but there is something really priceless about seeing the kids singing and dancing and laughing. Like, they throw themselves into it, you know? And that's amazing. It's amazing to watch these little people praising God with these big smiles on their face and a total lack of self-consciousness. It's a picture of Christian joy. And I, you know, truth be told, I want that for you too. I, I want you to have that same unabashed celebration here in God's house. Now, I, I know, look, I'm looking at, around the room, and, and I, I have no delusions about what it means to be a Lutheran pastor, okay? Like, some of us come from a very stoic church tradition. And, you know, maybe, maybe you feel a little uncomfortable when things get exuberant. Our faith life is, you know, it's solid, and it's immovable, and it's austere. Hey, fair enough. Look, I want you to have a solid faith, most definitely. But you know there's no contradiction there, right, between having a solid faith and getting a little excited. Like, the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about today, who's paying attention? What's the fruit of the Spirit for today? Four people got it. Boy, okay. I'm just going to turn around. We're going to try that. All right, so the fruit of the Spirit that we're focused on today is? Joy. All right. Yeah, yeah. And if you've been around churches for a little while, you've probably heard a pastor or two preach about how joy is different from happiness. It is, you know, and I talked about that a little bit with the kids. I'll talk about it more in a little bit. But, you know, but they're not so different. They're not, like, unrelated. And I think for many of us, we've, we've oversteered on this one. Like, you know, we, we'll talk like, um, like this is the face of joy right here. This is not a biblical idea, you know, but it's a cultural one we picked up somewhere along the way. Um, you might have learned a song as a kid. I've got that joy, 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 joy. Where? Where? I've got that joy, 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 joy. Where? 
Okay, nice. Now, before we, we, we dig into talking about how joy and happiness differ, I want to look again at some of the language from our scripture today, okay, because I think it's, I think it's good. He says, in all this you greatly rejoice. Greatly rejoice. And he goes on to talk about uh, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Inexpressible and glorious joy. That is not a small thing. That is not something that can be overlooked. After all, these things are the fruit of the Spirit. Where do you find the fruit on the tree? Yeah, it's outside. There's no fruit inside the tree. And that's the way it is with the fruit of the Spirit. These are the outgrowth of the Spirit's presence. And it's not just for us, right? It's to benefit the world. The tree doesn't eat its own fruit, right? So we bear the fruit for the world. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So let's say you've got the joy, 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 down in your heart. Down in your heart to stay, question mark? Yes, maybe, but it depends on what you mean by to stay, right? So if it's the kind of joy that Peter talked about, then it will stay down in your heart in the sense that it's going to stay and not leave. It'll stay and you won't lose it. But down in my heart to stay can't possibly mean I'll keep it in my heart and never let it get out. That is a wrong interpretation here. Because we're supposed to rejoice. Sometime, I invite you to leaf through the book of Psalms. Find passages that talk about rejoicing and look at how they describe what you're supposed to do. I'll give you a hint. We rejoice with shouts of praise. We rejoice with singing. We rejoice with banging loud instruments. This is the biblical picture of rejoicing. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you more than permission, okay? That if you're moved by something you hear in church today, or any day, it is more than okay to respond out loud. If you're being moved during the prayers or during the songs and you want to lift your hands, it's more than okay. Your pastor is giving you permission. And if anybody gives you a dirty look, you report them to me. Okay? You can raise your hands. You can shout amen. Because you know what? Jesus isn't a librarian who's like keeping an eye on who's getting out of hand. And going, Shh. That is not the way Jesus works, guys. Jesus is the Lord of life who went toe-to-toe with sin, death, and hell itself, and he won. Thank you. Some of you guys were cheering way louder on Friday night when a dude cranked a home run over the back fence 
than you do when we talk about Jesus crushing the devil under his heel. In a million years, no one will remember that stupid leather ball going over the outfield. But in a million years, we will still be talking about what Jesus did on the cross and what he did when he stepped out of the empty tomb. And there is no reason to wait a million years to start celebrating it. Okay, so I guess it's time to talk to you about that happy... Some of y'all are like, I didn't know the baseball game was a trap, Pastor. I'm not (laughs) signing up next time. It's not a trap, guys. It's an example. It's an example. So, fine. I told you I'd talk about it, so let's talk about that happiness and joy distinction, okay? I don't want to divide them too sharply, but I think the best way to distinguish them is to talk about where they come from. So far as I can tell, happiness is circumstantial, right? It has to do with your circumstances. When times are good, we feel happy. When, when, when you get good news, you're happy. When you eat a good meal, when you watch a good movie, when you spend a few quiet hours fishing, feel happy. And there's nothing to be ashamed about that. That's great. We like being happy. But happiness is a slippery thing. When you chase happiness, you you really don't get to hold on to it for very long. So imagine a child walking through the toy store. There's loud and shiny things all over the place, right? And uh, let's say the the child fixates on one thing in particular. They know they just have to have that toy. And mom or dad, because, you know, because they love the child, they go ahead and buy it, give it to the child as a gift. And the kid in the store is so happy. And you take him to the car and they climb in the climb in the car, and they just beg to, can I just hold it? Yeah, bud. And you give them the toy, and they hold it. And in the car, they're so happy. And they get home, and they unwrap the toy, and they play with it. And they're happy. What about a week later? What about a month later? What about a year later? How does that child get as much happiness from the toy as they did the first day? In fact, there's a good chance that they reached peak happiness. And like this is clinically, <laughs> people have studied this stuff. There's a good chance that the kid reached peak happiness uh, in the car or around the time they started unboxing the gift. By the time the gift comes out of the box, maximum joy, maximum happiness, rather, has already been reached. Good thing that only applies to kids, right? It's not like you've ever been waiting on pins and needles for that Amazon package. But when's the next time you're making that same sort of order, waiting for the package to come? 
Say you go to your favorite restaurant, right? Your favorite restaurant and you order your favorite dish. I don't care what it costs. You order your favorite dish. You really enjoy it. You feel happy. So you come back the next day. You order it again. And again the following day. And again the following day. Does this sound like paradise to you? How many times do you do this before you don't enjoy the meal very much? How many times do you do this before you never want to see that dish again? But it was your favorite. Well, happiness isn't in the dish. Happiness comes in waves, you know? And when you chase after happiness, it gets harder and harder to catch because happiness, as it turns out, is not a very good goal. It's kind of like a nice side benefit. But it's not a goal. Joy, on the other hand, and that's what we're talking about today, joy isn't something that you chase. Because joy isn't found in your circumstances. Joy comes from down in your heart. It's there in the good times, but it's there to carry you through the rough times too. Joy comes not from getting what you wanted, but from knowing that you have something that's already precious. God's word today said to us this, in all this you greatly rejoice. Watch this. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He goes on to talk about why we do that. Why do we suffer grief and trials? These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is worth more than gold, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So Peter's writing to say that the grief and, and, and the trials of life, these are inevitable. They will come, but they actually accomplish something. When the trials and the grief come, they are a refining fire, which will separate what is valuable from what is worthless, and it will separate what is temporary from what is permanent. And when people see you pass through the fire and come out the other side, when that happens, they start to see that your faith isn't just philosophy. When they see you pass through the fire, they see that, that this Christianity stuff, it's not just talking points. It's not just lip service. And it's not just a myth to comfort you, right? You actually mean what you say. And not only that, it made a difference. Faith in Jesus made a real difference carrying you through the fire. Now, some of y'all in the pews today, the pews, in the rows today, in the chairs, might be thinking, yeah, 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 but I see a lot of Christians who don't seem all that joyful. Yeah, maybe. Which is a shame, because I think the joy is right there waiting for them. Let's read what else Peter said today. He said, Though you have not seen him, Jesus, he's talking about 
you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Why does he say we're filled with joy? Because we're receiving the goal of our faith. Why do we have joy? Because we are saved. So then why, why might not we be filled with joy? Well, maybe it's because we don't spend nearly enough time thinking about that. Maybe we spend way too much mental energy and social energy on other stuff rather than on that glorious fact. And when I talk about being saved, that we are receiving our salvation, I, I don't think it's enough to think about salvation as escaping hell, right? If that's what you think, joy probably isn't what you'll feel. What you'll feel is relief. We shouldn't just be thinking about salvation as escaping hell. That's like just the first sliver of what we get. Our salvation is so much more than that. Our salvation is glorious, right? Life without suffering. Life without shame or grief. Life without end the vast treasures of God. Harmony, love, abundance. Physically standing in the presence of Almighty God. I mean, like the list can go on and on. And everything on that list is yours. It's yours. not because you want it or earned it or deserve it. It's yours because Jesus just won it for you and then he gave it to you. Everything your heart desires. Deep down. And not only that, nothing can take it away from you. It's yours and it's worth the wait. It's yours and it's worth the fire. So right now there's suffering, but it'll pass. Right now there's struggle, but it'll pass. Right now there's trials and griefs, but it'll pass. But on the other side of it is something so good that you can't even describe it. And it's yours because Jesus won it for you. And that's a reason to rejoice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for the wondrous blessings we have in you. We thank you for life eternal, full and abundant and free. We thank you for the victory you have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you will unlock the joy in our hearts, that we wouldn't be burdened down with the cares and concerns of this life, even though they're real, even though the struggles and the difficulty are real. If they weren't real, there would be no fire to refine us. But Lord, they're not the end. We pray that you will fix our eyes on the end goal, the salvation of our souls that we are enjoying right now, even in this moment. And we pray, Lord, that as we fix our eyes on you, on where we're headed, on what you've done, we pray, Lord, that you will open up our hearts.
to celebrate, to rejoice with great and exceeding joy. So that the world looking on at us will go, what's wrong with those people? Or what's right with those people? It seems like nothing can shake them. Because nothing can. We love you. We thank you for our love, for your love to us. We thank you most especially for Jesus Christ, who won it all and gave it to us for free. It's in his holy name that we pray. Amen.